You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. bleed green are you an ultimate eagles football fan well you're in the right place well you're in the right place this is bird 365 hosted by the new mac and mac jody mcdonald and john mcmullen here we go here we go who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! It is not a Mac attack today. Uh, Johnny Mac, usual partner, is winging his way down to Houston for this game. The Eagles have to play. Shorty week, uh, what we'll be talking about extensively today. No, I got a triple B with me today. That would be Big Barrett Brooks filling in for. <laughs> more than more than that. More than more than how's it going? Sometimes you got to bring in the righty. I'm the reliever, the righty. You know, he's yeah. on his way down. So I guess I got to fill in for Mac today, man. I, I would say by size, you look more like uh, Jose Alvarado coming out of that Philly fan. Uh, but he would be a lefty. We got the big righty in with us today, uh, former Eagle offensive lineman Barrett Brooks. Um, short week. I know it's a red October. I just tweeted this out, and everybody is all Phillied up. And when you're not here with us on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, we know you're hanging over there at NBC Sports Philly, and uh, they're – Philly coverage has been phenomenal after a win last night, seven nothing beat down. You believe that, man? Come on, come on, man! Come on, man! This is this is this is we're up two one. I mean, we're talking about a Cinderella story. I I don't think so. Man. I think just more so. This team finally belongs to be up there, man. They they we we've been through a drought eleven years. We've been through a drought, and to come out of it like this, 
I mean, there's nobody, there's nobody more hyped than Middleton. He spent a lot of money over the cap. He's killing that luxury cap, but this is why he does it. This is what he did. You know, he, he brought in some guys that um, feel good about about playing um, playing for for this team, man. And and you could tell, man, they are loving each other. They're loving the fight. They're loving all this, man. So I won a championship before, so I know what they're going through. Being a six seed at that, we were the six seed when I was playing with the Steelers. We were the six seed. This team was the third seed. Um, they, I mean, they were I mean, the third. They, they had to win their way to get past it. You know, St. Louis, my my team, my old team, and now they're in a position where they're two games away, two wins away from being world effing champions. Yeah, they and like your <laughs> six seed, the last team to qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, and yeah. now, as you say, just two games away from a championship, and yeah. It's special to be down at the ballpark. I've been there for a couple of games here in this playoff run and have tickets for tomorrow's game. That's right, Eagle fans. I'm going to be here on uh, Friday morning. I'm going to be dog tired because I'm going to have to come home and watch the Eagle game quickly after I have it taped because I will be in Citizens Bank Park for game number five just in case they're going to win a championship. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll be on top of the Eagles, which is where we start today here on Birds 365 Thursday games. Now, Barrett, uh, had Thursday games even begun by the time that you retired? Mm, I'm trying to think back. Thursday game, I don't think they were a thing when I, I think I played like one Thursday game because it was okay. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving game. There yeah, you go. So, so I played in, I played in, in fact, I played in more than one. I played in a couple of things because I played in Detroit for two years. So that was two years I had to play in a Thanksgiving game. There you and go. So you, four years you certainly understand what it's like to play on a short week. Right. Uh, we sit back, we talk about it. You guys actually have to do it. It is work. It, it is very difficult for the players on their bodies. They get into a routine. They know how much time they that, know how much rest time, recovery time after playing in an NFL game, which uh, week in and week out, you have to have recovery time. They don't have it this week, uh, but neither team does. And that's what I think people overlook because they always look at it their myopic view of how the oh this is our fishbowl. The Eagles they can't do it. well the Texans are doing the same thing right so right. it's it's as difficult on both teams slightly more difficult because Eagles have to fly to Texas and the whole time it takes to get down there is a slight advantage for Texas. How tough is it on an NFL player's body to turn around play on a Sunday and then be ready to go again on Thursday? I'll tell you what. Um, you look at the Eagles organization, they're, they're, they're pros. You know, they went about, you know, they're coming out of a bye week um, two weeks, you know, two weeks ago. They had the bye week. So they kind of prepared for this Texans game also. Well, they were playing against a, a bad Pittsburgh team, and now they're playing against a bad Texans team. I think they did a little bit of research on both teams and, and, and did both game plans over the bye week. The first week they did the Steelers. The second week they did the um, – I mean, uh, the first week they did the Texans as a unit, and then they turn around in the next week they did the Steelers. So they already had a game plan in which they want to attack this Texans team. You can't lose your stripes. And the stripes that this Texans team had, they're just a bad team. They're, they're void of, of a lot of talent that you would, you know, be to be able to really compete um, at a level that they should. So Davis Mills is the quarterback. Um, he's young. This team – Traded away everything, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt. They let a lot of people go. So they are in a rebuilding process. They understand this rebuilding process is going to be long. And, and and you know, I mean, this 
they put Lovey Smith in a bad, bad position by him being the interim. Well, he started out the interim coach because they fired him. Then they hired him as the head coach. He has a lot of adversities that he has to deal with in this game. So um, I, don't, I don't know, man. I mean, they got disgruntled employee with uh, Brandon Cooks. You know, he's taking it uh, with the media and, and, you know, he's their best receiver. He's their best offensive weapon. Um, they don't have anything besides that. I mean, Damian Pierce, he's a young, he's a rookie, but he's a player. But other than that, you know, I don't know where you get um, where you get any type of fight, man, especially with a short week. Like the Eagles are professionals. They understand that they're going into this week like this. This Texas team doesn't care. They just want this year to be over with. They're professionals who are 7-0, and the only undefeated team in the National Football League. And one of your colleagues at NBC Sports, uh, Philly, wrote a, a good piece today about the Eagles fighting boredom. You would right. think that's never the case. That, that, come on, you're getting paid to do that. It, you only play 17 games. It, it's something you can't say, oh, it happens to everybody in, in the national football. It happens in every single sport. It's a grind. Every single day is a grind over the course of no question yep. to get what? a season in. And you look up, it? you're 7 and 0. You're playing a team that's one five and one. You're not all that uh, up to the task because it's a short week and your body says, I'm not ready to go a full 60 yet. There's every reason to think just a normal human being would be willing to just kind of throw it into neutral and cruise on this week. But he said he doubts it's going to happen for the, to the Eagles for several reasons. Number one, the head coach. Number two, his coaching staff. And number three, maybe most importantly, the leaders of this football team that between the veteran guys who've been there before, been there, done that won a championship back in 2017 and a very motivated and uh, outspoken uh, quarterback. There's no chance for a letdown with this team this week. Is there? No, there's no, there's no way they do. There's no way they look past anybody. They understand that they have a quarterback, man. That quarterback is one that he takes everything seriously. Um, He, you know, he hears, he talks like a, a coach. He carries himself like a coach, you know. I mean, he's a combination of Saban, Lincoln Riley, his pops, you know, all these guys that um, were have very successful careers. He's kind of patterned himself after them as coaches. You know, don't don't eat the rat poison. You know, don't read the press clippings. Understand, there's always work out there. You know, you see you see the things that they didn't. You know, they left a lot of they left a lot of um, uh, money on the table. Um, you know, they, he's got all the cliches because he he truly believes in this stuff. Now, who wrote the article you're talking about? Dave Zingaro. Dave did. See, that's, yeah. that's why I love Dave, man. But, you know, because uh, on, on the postgame show this week, I said the same thing. I said it after the game. I said, man, I, that was good to watch a boring game. <laughs> and, it, you know, and it, it instantly Rube jumped on it. Oh, what do you mean a boring game? They had four plays of over 25 yards, four touchdowns over 25 yards. They did this. They, I said, I understand that. But they took care of business the way they were supposed to. And I kind of went through it for you know for with 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 the Steelers the year before we won the Super Bowl. It's supposed to be an all Pennsylvania Super Bowl. It's supposed to be the Steelers and the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Big Ben it came in the second game. We lost that game. Tommy Mattis got hurt. Then we ran off 13 straight games. We won 13 straight games. And a lot of people were saying the same thing about that team. There was a lot of the times that they were fighting boredom because they knew that they were the best. We knew that we were the best team in the NFL, and we knew that every week we played against the best team in practice. Not on Sunday, 
But in practice, we played against that team. I didn't, I knew that there was going to be nobody that's going to be harder to block than James Harrison and Joey Porter and and and, and Casey Hampton. Uh, ben knew that there was going to be no safety that he could go against than Troy Palomalo. That you know, in, in I mean, even I thought of Troy at that time was better than even Reed uh, from from Baltimore. Um, you know, just looking at the offensive line, you know we knew we were better than the teams we were playing. So that defense had great looks because we were so good. And we had a mindset that sometimes the coach would have to tell us, Hey guys, stop practicing so hard against each other because we would just get caught up in the moment, knowing that our competitive nature would get the best of us and practice so hard in practice that it seemed like game was, the games were easy. You know, the games were just walking apart because we knew what we were. And I think this Eagles team, knows who they are you know right think about what fletcher cox said fletcher said hey he told uh he told uh what's his name when he first got the first got to the eagles robert quinn we practice hard here this is the yeah. fruits of the labor this he, them practicing hard he, he can say that but then the practices actually are had and uh that double digit guys are on rest Right. And uh, they go out there for about an hour and a half when they got two hours. You can say it, but then you actually have to go. I, I don't know the comparison is as accurate as you're laying out there. The game has changed <laughs> and the way the yeah, NFL do nice. business has changed from when you were playing. It's not that long ago, but there have been some significant changes. Uh, you mentioned on now the fact that it was a somewhat boring game because the Eagles – put the game away and were able to uh, not sweat, have their fans sweat or themselves sweat because they had a comfortable enough lead. And I got to give the nod to my usual partner, John McMullen, because he did ask the question in the session yesterday with Jonathan Gannon, uh, Eagles defensive coordinator, about how they handled the end of that game on Sunday. You saw uh, your, your area of expertise, offensive line. They got all the starters out of there. Yes. Uh, they they pulled everybody except Dickerson at uh, for its up shoot. They were using Andre Dillard at the guard position. I don't know why, other than to if they were thinking about trading role. Hey, you know you could use them at guard too. Uh, but uh, they did get their offensive guys off the field, including the quarterback, including Miles Sanders, including the wide receivers. They did give everybody a little bit of a break at the end of the game, which on a More. short week was absolutely the right thing to do and a smart thing to do. Absolutely. And I questioned the other side of the ball. Yeah, they bring in defensive linemen in and out all the time. It's a rotational position. The two linebackers basically played every snap of the game. The two safeties played basically every snap of the game. The three corners played basically every snap of the game. And I wondered why N'Kobe Dean at linebacker, Zach Mack at cornerback, uh, Kayvon Wallace at safety didn't get any reps. If you're going to get your starters off the field to protect them and make it easier on them, give them rest for the next game on offense, why don't you turn around and do the same thing on defense? This is the question I posited here on Bird 365. So McMullen put it right to the man uh, yesterday in the availability with the defensive coordinator. Did you see what he said? No, I didn't. He threw the like coach under the bus. He put it on Sirianni. He said, well, we spoke about that with the head coach. And then he gave a completely BS answer. He said, well, we were kind of backed up when we were thinking about doing it or couldn't, could have done it. They put the offensive subs out there first, uh, Gardner Minshew and Pals. 
and they get the ball at the 10-yard line. You want to talk about being backed up. That's where the Eagles got the ball on offense, and they didn't bat an eye, put all their backups in at the 10-yard line. So uh, Gardner runs an entire minute and something off the clock, three and punt, and they get it out to the 49-yard line. Sipos hits one basically to midfield. Oh, that's too backed up to put your defensive backups in the game because the other team's got the ball at the 49 with seven minutes to go, down 22 points. Well, we didn't want to put them out because we were kind of backed up. You didn't even bat an eye about being backed up on offense. <laughs> then you were too afraid to put N'Kobe Dean or uh, Zach Mack or uh, the backup uh, safety, uh, Kayvon Wallace, into the game. Complete BS answer. Thank you, John McMullen, for asking that question. I, I don't know if it was an oversight. I don't know if they're that afraid of putting those three individuals because they had some injuries back there. Josiah Scott was out. Um, they, they didn't have as many uh, cornerbacks up as they usually do. But three specific guys I thought needed some run, uh, specifically because they're still young and are getting their feet wet in the NFL. And any reps are good reps. I'll give uh, John Gannon credit. He said that. Nothing more valuable than in-game reps. But they passed on giving them to them. Why do you think that was? Uh, you know what? I I, I I don't know, actually. I mean, Neither do I. Thank you is, very much, Farrett Brooks. I can't make any excuses up. I can't say anything. Um, I, I, I know I would have. Um, the guys in which he could have had in there – probably need the work you know Kayvon Wallace is a guy that I think needs a lot of work I saw the defense the quality of the defense you know become um very low grade when he did get in the game you know they didn't call the same aggressive nature they weren't the same defense when he was in there rather it's by play calling I don't know if it was play calling or just the nature of how uh CJ Garner Johnson plays the game I didn't see the same aggressive nature in that defense. So, I mean, I, that was actually a position I thought we need to kind of address if we were going to address any position during free uh, during the trade deadline is a, a, a compatible safety to come in and play at a high level. I don't think Reed Blankenship and, and, and Kayvon Wallace are the two guys that, you know, if something does go down with them, could they come in and run the same defense? Could they have that type of aggressive nature? You know, so that means our safeties need to make sure that they are ready to play at all times, and they can't afford to get hurt. Uh, so C.J. Garner-Johnson and Marcus Epps need to be relatively healthy for the entirety of the rest of the season because those are two crucial points in all of which I don't think we have the the um, we have the depth to go into a game with those two starting. Um, as for N'Kobe Dean, I, you know, I, they love him. Uh, I don't think it's an injury thing about it. I, think, I don't think it's about, about his shoulder or – anything like that. Um, I just don't feel as though they're ready. I, I don't think he's ready to play just yet because he'd be playing a how, lot. How more. much can you love him if you can't get him on the field when you're up 22 points in the right. fourth quarter? Exactly. You know, him, uh, even Kyron Johnson, you know, Patrick Johnson need to get a little burn. Um, I know going into the bye week, Fletcher Cock and, and Hargraves played 60% of the snaps. And then, you know, you, you look at uh, Milton Williams, um, a guy out there, you know, think should be playing a lot more. Uh, 30%. Uh, Marlon uh, Tuipalutu, he was only playing like 30% of the reps. Um, even Jordan Davis was 30% of those reps 30, also. 30 is not a bad number as compared to zero. 
And that's how many of those other guys got on the, the in the back seven. I would have thought four, it would, yeah. Yeah. The front four, I don't think you complain, and they have to reconfigure, and that's one of the things I would talk about with you, and we'll talk about Mike Gill when we punch him up here in a second, because um, Gannon did speak to that. He made it sound like Jordan Davis being out of the lineup is going to be a plug-and-play replacement, that they cross-train these guys, and that's why I, I don't necessarily buy that. Jordan Davis can do things that nobody else on this football right, team can right. do. Uh, but that wasn't the way, at least, uh, again, I wasn't talking about it yesterday. Marvin Wilson is a guy that we they may bring up. I thought he had a great, I think, a phenomenal camp. I thought he was one of the guys that competed to be a guy that's going to be on a 53-man roster. I thought he should have made the roster. He's on the practice squad right now. But he's somebody that can come in and fill that void very easily. He's he's that good of a player. Man. So Marvin, Marvin Wilson is a guy I said look out for, to play that nose right there, head up over the center position. Okay, I'll, I'll be surprised if that's the case, if he gets called <laughs> up and gets plugged in anywhere near the kind of numbers that Davis was getting. I just don't see it as a plug-and-play type thing. All right, as I right. mentioned, Mike Gill from 97.3, the Sports Pass down at your ESPN Radio is going to jump in with us. Uh, a little bit later, hour number two, we're going to get John McClain up, a uh, longtime NFL writer, still doing it down in the Houston area, doing it for gallerysports.com these days. He's going to join us uh, in the second hour. But coming up next here on Birds 365, our bud Mike Gill from down the shore gets in with Jody McDonald and Barrett Brooks today. Philly sports fans, I'm Tom Giordano from Pondley Hockey Giordano. First and foremost, thank you for watching the Pondley Hockey Post Game Show. But right now, we're giving away tickets to the World Series. Follow Pondley Hockey on Instagram and check out our posts for your chance to win tickets to all three Phillies home games. Go Phillies and go Birds. Welcome to Pondley Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. And Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. 
born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Here on Birds 365, an undefeated Wednesday show. We'll continue to call them undefeated as long as Eagles are undefeated. Played it. <laughs> and the question is, will they be undefeated when we roll out our Friday show this week? Because they've got a short week, Thursday's game, but plenty to talk about even before we get there. And we'll do so with our bud from down the shore, Mike Gill from the sports. Mikey band. Mike, what's up? MG, appreciate you uh, getting up early with us today. Um, all week we led up to will Howie make that second move last week? He traded for Robert Quinn. A lot of rumors floating around about who was going to get moved or the Eagles had interest in. Were they close to getting a deal done? 10 trades was actually made yesterday, the most ever on deadline deal day in the history of the National Football League, none of which included the Philadelphia Eagles. Were you surprised? I'm mildly surprised only because I thought maybe they – the whole Jordan Davis thing, I guess, added a little wrinkle to the deadline, right? I'm wondering if they were looking at maybe a third corner or a third safety, just some depth there, and then that injury happened and maybe they were reevaluating whether they thought they need it. And I heard you guys right before I came on, I kind of think this is going to be a, a big deal. I mean – the way that John Gannon has been able to call defenses with five-man fronts and Jordan Davis over the nose, they don't have another guy that can that can really play that role. What Jordan Davis has done is allowed other guys to excel. If you take him out, who fills that role and lets the other guys kind of roam the wilderness for free? I don't know, man. I, I, I'm a little uh, concerned about J- John Gannon as a play caller moving forward. So, there's not too many of those guys to go out and get. I know Dallas went out and got Hankinson last week. They tried to get some beef up front because they're getting steamrolled on the ground. So I'm wondering if Howie was trying to find someone to take that spot or if he figured, ah, we'll get him back in a couple of weeks. But maybe that diverted. But uh, So mildly surprised but not shocked that they didn't get in on the game. I am a little surprised at the amount of movement and the level of players. That went. I mean, we never see this in the NFL. We had 10 trades yesterday. Yes. 10 trades. Bradley Chubb, uh, TJ Hawkinson, I think, at the top of the list of impact in terms of the Super Bowl contenders. You look at it, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, there's a lot of movement. And that's because the parody in the NFL is so, it's so you know, so much of a a, something that they worked for for so long that there's no super teams. And it really can be just one player changes the dynamics of an entire team and their focus. Same thing happened with A.J. Brown. It changed the entirety of how this team go, went into this season and their, how aggressive they were from that point on and going out and getting free agents that you know or, or trading for guys that could help them. And they've done a great job of it. Howie's done a masterful job of it. When I look at this roster, they do have guys that can I, I, not, not play at the same level 
as Jordan. But we got to remember Hargraves comes from that same system of a of 30 front where he played a head up nose. That's where he made his head. That's where he became a player in that system where he was a head up nose. So he could make a seamless transition there. And then you plug in a Milton Williams in that 50 front where you put Milton Williams at that three technique. Then you have Hargraves at the nose and then you put uh, Fletcher Cox at the other three technique. Or they can bring up and uh, and activate Marvin Wilson. Marvin Wilson is a head-up nose. That's what he did the entirety of camp. He played well at that position. I thought he was going to make the 53-man roster. But there's no way you take away – there's no way you could put in the value that you had with the guy that's six foot six, 340 pounds and run a 4 yeah. seven forty. You can't replace that type of no. defensive output or him being the immovable rock sitting right there in the middle of that defense. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't even stimu- uh, simulate that. Uh, there's no way that a, an offense will react the way they react when he comes in the game. So that's something that until he comes back will be a void or mute, you know, point for us to even talk about because he's not, you, you'll know, you won't find that type of player. Right. And Barrett, I mean, yeah, okay. Hargrave has some experience there, but you're losing 50 pounds of man. Absolutely. Um, yes. And, and you have a situation <laughs> where Davis, just by sheer mass, is taking the center and pushing him back into the backfield, which is disrupting a whole bunch of stuff. You know, in the society that we live in, if you don't have numbers on your bubblegum card, right? I'm going back to the baseball cards here. You flip them over. Oh, this guy did this. Jordan Davis has nothing on the back of the bubblegum card. So, therefore, we don't look at the impact he makes. When you watch the video and see him take a grown man and push him two and three yards back into the backfield, that disrupts the timing. It disrupts everything. But it, it also allows guys on the outside to get a little bit more freedom to get some one-on-ones because because you're pushing a guy one-on-one into the backfield, many times team need to slide that guard to give a little help because yes. – and that frees up Fletcher Cox. What do we see last week, Barrett? Javon Hargrave, two sacks. It's no coincidence that more snaps for Jordan Davis and now more of the interior guys are starting to break out and get to the quarterback. All right, but time out, Philadelphia. I get the point that you're making about the numbers aren't there, but they don't have to be. If he's occupying, let me finish. If he's occupying two men, then he's getting his job done. So you're right. It's not all about the numbers, but let me throw a number at you. 40%. That's the snaps that he plays, 40%. They're not losing the quarterback who plays every snap. They're not losing a safety who plays. They're not losing either of their two unbelievable cover corners who are number one and two in passing percentage against them. They're losing a guy that plays less than half the snaps. So I I, I know he's going to be missed, and I know that they're going to have to reconfigure some things to get his – 40%, 40%, only 40% of the snaps covered. But that's all that he's been asked to do. That's all that they've used him for this year. They can't replace that? Well, I guess, you know, it depends on the situations. Look, it's about, look, if they ran 100 plays in the game and he's in for 40 of them, you know, that's a big chunk of plays that, that he is a part of. And Not compared to the other key players on this game. Right, but key players playing forty percent of the snaps. I think you look at well running back situations. I mean, you look at what's going on in Dallas. You take Zeke Elliott out a hundred percent of the plays, and now Pollard looks like he is the premier back in the league. Why? Because I'm getting more snaps. He still has a pretty big role in the amount of snaps that he plays. But I think it's it's just a chain reaction. Those forty percent of the snaps 
What happens on those 40% of the plays? Is that when you're getting your interceptions? Is that when you're getting your turnovers? Is that when you're getting your uh, more pressure on the quarterback? You're not going to get it 100% of the time, definitely. But in those 40% of the plays, is that when your big plays are happy? You might have a guy who comes in, you know, and he's a slot receiver. He only runs 25% of the plays. But when he comes in, he runs that seam route and hits you one out of four times. I'll take 25% 60-yard touchdown pass, wouldn't you? That's yeah, exactly but, what it is. That's the, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's the impact plays in which you're talking about him being on the field. Impact meaning when teams want to heat it up, they want to run the ball. They want to try to flip the script and, and get time possession going in their direction, making our defense tired. It's usually the other way around. It's been the other way around. He's been influential in those first and second down where teams have tried to run the ball and they've got this guy sitting, you know, steadfast in the middle of it and they can't move him. It's not just him being out there and what he's doing um, as far as stopping the run, but it's also what he's doing to the psyche of that offensive line, you know, being that guy that they can't move. You know, I mean, I've been in a position where I've, I've had to block a, a, a Ted Williams, a, a Saragusa, and be like, man, no matter how hard we do, man, I can't move this bitch nowhere. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's in your head. You're thinking that, and you're talking to the offensive lineman next to you. Man, this dude is tough, man. He's quick. He's big. He's strong. You can't move him. You know, and, hey, and, listen, and that's the psyche that you're going through. If on 40% of their offensive coordinator's plays, he has to keep in mind, that's 40% of his play calls that have been altered. Exactly. Then my question to both of you would be, why not 60%? If if he well, is that havoc wreaking, why wouldn't you put him out there for more snaps if you're the Eagles? Oh, it's a fair question, and I think they've been ramping him up. He he started at below thirty, now he's right. up to forty. I think as the season goes on, what did Nick Castiano say the other night? Over 162 games, I can't focus on every pitch playing right field. I don't know that you could play the guy 100 percent of the snaps for 17 games, but I can work you up to get to the playoffs where now you're probably playing 60 to 70% and oh, yeah. you get them up to that spot. We all want instant gratification every week, but over 17, it's a, it's a, you know, a slow process sometimes. And I think Jordan Davis was working his way to get more snaps. Uh, you look at it, you know, you're talking about a young guy that um, even in college, they cut the number of reps he was out there just to make sure that he was explosive and took advantage of every single rep he was in the game. And I think it's kind of the same thing with this with this Eagles team. They want him out there to have quality, not quantity, but quality. They want those reps to be split up, that he's giving max effort. Um, he's making things happen. He's becoming a, a guy that, you know, when he's in there, he is a, he is a you know, he's a, he's a wrecker. You know, he's a wrecking ball. And I think that's the biggest impact that a young guy can have that they're thinking they're putting him in a situational positions where he can go full speed every time he's in there so i think that's more so what they were trying to do and i thought they were doing a pretty good job of it um it's different you know from an offensive alignment and a defense alignment an offensive alignment you put out there and you play every single snap you know you don't come out defense alignment they're a little more sparingly uh dealt out there because they you know they have to go a hundred percent Every single play, and that can be exhausting, man. You know, even though offensive line is exhausting, it's more so with the defensive line. Yeah, when really did that happen, though? When, like Reggie White never came off the field, right? Like right. those guys never come off the field. When did it become acceptable 
that I'm going to give you 50% or 70% of the snaps. Like, it's just a weird dynamic how things evolve where teams decided, hey, I'm going to get the fresh guys and just keep rotating. Dexter Manley never came off the field. Bruce never left the field, right? These guys never left the field. They just kept coming after you. I think it became a a, a thing when situational football developed when they had these spread offenses come out there and – and they wanted guys that were smaller in stature, like the the um, uh, guys like Derek Thomas, um, Ken Harvey, uh, guys that are smaller in build, linebacker s type of players that can rush the passer and get around offensive tackles who are slower. You know, you're talking about a guy that if you guys line up and ran a forty uh, side by side, you get blown away. You know, as an offensive lineman, now you're asking to block somebody backwards. I mean, that's that's something that, you know, you could put a guy like Jason Gilden out there, a guy like uh, Gr- Kevin Green and, you know, all those guys who are smaller in stature. They can come up the field. They can rush up the field and, and, and really put them in a position where it's situational times they can be an impact in that and then go back to their regular position, uh, you know, on first or second down. That's the, that's when it, I really started to see a difference and a changing of the guards when those situational um, players – became impact players on third and long, the money downs, as we call the money downs. And Jody, that would then be the genesis of why he doesn't play more snaps because he doesn't rush the passer. And you want to have that element in your defensive play call is I want to be able to get to the quarterback. Right. Uh, To answer your question, Mike, about uh, when they uh, started rotating guys, sports has become specialized. Every single sport, not just the NFL. Uh, I remember when your baseball pitching staff was 10 guys. Your four starters, your one long reliever, and the two guys weren't quite good enough to be starters, but were good. So they pitched at the back end of the game. And then you had three guys named Mo, Larry, and Curly that nobody ever wanted to see in a game sitting out there in a bullpen by themselves. So, yeah, the game game changes. But I'm wondering, did the Eagles change because Jordan Davis is out? The way you guys are talking him up. Uh, should I be worried about Damon Pierce, uh, Pierce going for 150 yards this week without – Jordan Davis in there to completely stop the run or take up two blockers so one of his mates on the defensive line can make a tackle? Is this like the Eagles defense crumbling? Uh, it would be one concern coming up. Look, I think it's interesting. They have a they have a timeline coming up. This week, Texans, they like to run the ball. By the way, they're the worst rush defense I think I've ever seen. They are horrible at stopping the run. So this could be just a fast game of both teams running back uh, like an old Navy uh, Air Force game here. Two teams <laughs> Armed Forces game, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they have a stretch when they play Tennessee and then they have those three straight road games against teams that like to run the ball, the Giants, the Bears, and Dallas. And they all run the ball a little differently. The Giants do it with Saquon Barkley. The Bears do it with the quarterback Fields now, who's they're trying to they're they're finding their way with Fields. He was used horribly the first couple of weeks. They're now kind of integrating him a little bit better into their offense. And then of course the Cowboys he looks like Jalen Hurts, right? He looks like Jalen Hurts. They're using the same concept, yeah. concepts that they do with Jalen Hurts. Right. Yeah. They have got a much better grasp on what he is. And then of course Dallas has the two-headed monster. So I think that stretch of four games, Derrick Henry who ran for 200-plus yards against this Texans team last week, the Eagles are going to have their hands full, and that might coincide with, with when John, uh, uh, Davis Jordan Davis comes back. 
Uh, but in terms of this game on Thursday night, if the Houston Texans want to have a chance and stay in this game, yeah, you're probably going to see them turn around and hand the ball off a lot and see what John Gannon does. Because one of the Achilles heels of this team has been stopping the run. We saw Detroit. Now, the two unique things about the two games where they struggled against the run, Detroit was down two scores and kept running the ball. You don't see that a whole heck of a lot. No, you don't. Dallas got down 17 points and kept running the ball. So Philly's personnel was, hey, you're not going to run the ball. Dallas and Detroit both said, we're going to keep running the ball, and they struggled to stop the run in those instances. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if teams now say, all right, that kid's out. Let's see you try to stop the run against us. Well, yeah, that, they they kept their nickel front in. They put their four down. Uh, we call it uh, – uh, when he, when he had the four down and two linebackers and and you take one of the linebackers out, they played their nickel front, you know, thinking that they were going to pass. They didn't pass. That's why they were able to run the ball because they had a light they had a light box. I doubt if you'll have a light box against Davis Mills. I think you're gonna they're gonna kind of clog it up a little bit. Put eight men in a box, um, keep Epps at that free safety and and play man to man on the outside, knowing they can allocate resources to stop the run because they're not that very good at the um, the wide receiver position. Yeah, Brandon Cooks banged up. Nico Collins banged up. Both those guys have some injury issues. They're not great on the outside. You know, one thing in this particular game, too, is I think you can definitely get past, you know, you mentioned Pierce, Jody. They just don't have enough weapons. It's kind of like the Giants. The Giants just don't have the weapons on the outside. They can run the ball against lesser teams, but when they have to get into a offensive, like, creativity situation – they're snapping the ball to Barkley. They just don't have the weapons on the outside. This Texans team is even less has less weapons than the Giants do. So there, this is a, a real uphill. But like we said, I saw somebody tweet last night. If you thought the Astros had a rough night, wait till you see what happens to the Texans on Thursday night. Uh, I was glad to see that the Eagles didn't make a trade at the trade deadline. If they had, and how he hadn't given much up, uh, it's not like I would come out here and say, "What the hell are you thinking, Howie Roseman?" But uh, the whole running back thing, they needed to add another running back. They've got three guys that they activate week in and week out. And yeah, Kenny Gainwell's having a little bit of a disappointing year. But when they got Trey Sermon, the one game they put him in, he actually ran the ball well uh, a couple of times. And I liked him coming out of the draft to get him off the scrap heap from the 49ers. I thought was an outstanding move. Why do you think just a different dynamic? Uh, I think it's pretty apparent that uh, we may have overhyped, or at least John did, uh, the whole Heinz thing yesterday that Sirianni would uh, want to bring right. in another ex-cult guy. He didn't go for all that much. He was uh, traded, but it wasn't that big a deal. And if the Eagles really wanted him, they probably could have gotten him. Why do you think they, at least Rumorville was saying the Eagles were hot and heavy to add another back? That's there's a lot. Hines, first off, I thought they may have some interest in for those reasons, but also he catches the ball. That's the kind of back that I think we've been looking at. Either this short yardage guy, which has kind of fizzled out because why? Jalen Hurts is their short yardage back. You know, he gets all the short yards. He and right. Gainwell's done a nice job of kind of finding the little creases and sliding his way through. But normally when they need a yard, they go to Jalen Hurts. But Hines. Uh, I think I brought up last week is a guy, not him particularly, but of that style of running back who could catch the ball out of the backfield. That's not the specialty of Miles Sanders. We thought it was going to be the specialty of Gainwell. They haven't used him in that role. But I think it was the narrative at the beginning of the year is that, well, maybe they don't trust Miles Sanders. Maybe they don't like Miles Sanders. 
and therefore in our minds they want to find somebody else. Well, it seems that they like Miles Sanders, that they trust Miles Sanders, and that they didn't think they needed somebody else. So I, I think, Jody, that's where the talk of the running back maybe kind of entered in. But as this season has materialized, when has that been an issue for them? When have they not been able to get that short yard? When have they not been able to get the first down? When have they not had the right personnel on this roster with the three running backs they have? I like Boston Scott, too. I just don't think they use him enough. No, they don't. You're right. There's only so many touches, though. That's the issue. You're absolutely right. A lot of the times, I'm like, I don't get into the, we need a back, we needed a back, because that's not what, you know, the new NFL is these days, you know. You got the outliers like the, you know, the the, the Titans. They're outliers in this whole situation. Um, you look at um, the G-Men. They, they're like that because they have no choice. They're devoid of talent um, also. So they have to be innovative. You know, Dable has put those guys in a position where they've been very successful trying to run these gadget plays and smoke and mirrors to, um, to you know, to win the games that they've won. This is not one of those – this is not a system in which they need to run the ball – with the one back or or a big back or anything like that. They they do more so in the passing game in the RPO game in which you know Shane Steichen has been has been innovative enough that you can't get a beat on what he's doing. He has so many plays that veer off of one play that he you know their their offensive play but she probably it's probably you know it probably would have been about this thick. But the way that he calls calls it goes with this thick because you have RPOs that turn into Four four means of which you can you can um you can you know get the ball to somebody. You can just hand it off to to Miles Sanders, or Jalen Hurst can keep it, or he can throw it to the little out route by the tight end Goddard. Or if you don't do that, the guy that's going to crack in the receiver is going to crack on the on the guy that's over Goddard. He just runs a little pattern and, and turns around and makes himself available. That's four different ways in which the ball can go in just one simple play. So they're just more of a play selection as opposed to players. Yeah. Being the well, point. And Barrett, the thickness of the playbook, I think, tells you what they think about the quarterback. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You I'm have not. Bobby Hoying, right? You have Bobby Hoying. You probably had a sheet of loose leaf paper. Here you go. Right. Right? <laughs> you get Galen Hurts. They trust this guy so much that they just keep adding and adding and adding because they trust that he's going to make the right decision. He's going to read the right plays and that he's going to make the right play on the field. And that, by the way, I said, somebody asked me yesterday, why don't people buy Hertz? And I said, well, it's a byproduct of at the beginning of the season you didn't you didn't buy him. So now you can't change your opinion because you've already dug in and say, I don't like this guy. All right, right fine. <laughs> Maybe you don't like this guy and you just think he's an average player. That's not my opinion. And by the way, I was an advocate in the offseason of playing Hertz this year and re- and giving him another year. Let's just say you think he's an average player. Fine. He has average traits. This shows you what players around you will do. It makes an average player a good player. Yep. These players have pulled more out of an average player. I don't think he's average. I think he's a good player. Are these players making him great? Right now they are. Can he Trust. Can he keep the level of greatness? That is what these next 10 games will find out. You can have an opinion on Jalen Hurts prior to the start of the season today. Whatever. He's a top five quarterback. The, the numbers say that. We can all have opinions, but then you have to look at the results, and the results are 10 wins in a row, never been done in the 90-year history by a Philadelphia Eagle quarterback, 
fifth best passer rating in the national football. These are facts. Yes. Opinions are one thing. Facts are another. And you can't fight the facts. And it isn't a two-game run or a four-game run. We're talking 10 consecutive wins first. So those that are still claiming to And guys, Barry, Jody, the confidence that he continues to pull out of himself. He makes the throw to A.J. Brown. You don't just make that throw. You make that throw because you have confidence in yourself to make it and that he's going to go get it. He throws that to Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a pretty damn good playmaking safety. Exactly. And he says, I don't care. I'm going to throw this ball because I know I can get it to where I can put it for him to go get it. Not that I'm going to place it perfectly, that I know that he's going to go get it for me. You know what that is? These guys are humming. You know what that is? I keep telling people it's not a huge catch radius. He has a forgiving catch radius as it pertains to 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 AJ Brown. You could throw it to him, a bad pass to him, and you know one thing, two things gonna happen. Either he's gonna catch it, he's gonna drop it, but no one else is gonna catch it. Well, and guys, I said this on my show yesterday. Donovan McNabb was a good quarterback. Was he great? Eh, debatable. He was good, but guess what? When he got Terrell Owens, he was great. Yep. That's what having a player does. You might just be good. That player made him great. Right now, whatever you think of Jalen Hurts, if you think he's average, these players are making him good. If he's good, these guys are making him great. All right, Mike, you mentioned trust. And I want to get your take on this, something John and I talked about the last two days and then got new information on it yesterday. Uh, Eagles are up 21, 22, 23 points, 35, 13, 22 points uh, in the fourth quarter. And Jalen Hurts came off the field. They put Gardner Minshew out there. They put all their backup offensive linemen out there. They put their backup wide receivers out there. Yes, Kenny Gainwell actually got on the field. Miles got a seat. They basically pulled all their starters on offense. Didn't even get a first down. Turned the ball over. The punt only goes to the 49, yet they kept their starting defense in there. Not talking about the defensive line because those rotate. 40% uh, didn't even get Jordan Davis this week because he got hurt. So he couldn't get his 40%. But everybody else in and out on the defensive line, no substitutions at linebacker, no substitutions in the defensive backfield. John, uh, my partner, McMullen, did ask Gannon about that yesterday, and he threw the coach under the bus, said, oh, we talked to Nick about it, meaning Nick said, no, 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 we're not putting the subs in. No, because the Steelers were getting the ball at midfield. And Gannon mentioned that. He said, well, we were kind of pushed back. Uh, They have so little confidence in Nicobe Dean and Kayvon Wallace and Zach McPherson that they couldn't get him on the field up by 23 points with seven minutes to go. Really? Right. Are the Eagles screwed if they get an injury to a Darius Slay or a uh, Marcus Epps or a uh, TJ Edwards? Because – they don't have confidence in putting their backups out there up three touchdowns with seven minutes to go. I, I, I think it's a great point for John to bring up. Why you asked me this last week. Why don't teams take a look? Hey, let me get you out there and get you some. I said, it. I just want to get my players out there just to show them the speed of the difference exactly. of a game in the event that somebody gets hurt. I think they're telling you all you need to know. We have a lead but we still don't trust these guys on the outside because one big play and the Steelers are back in the game. So we'll give some run to our backup guys up front, but we're not ready to concede our secondary yet because we don't trust those guys. And the Dean thing is interesting too. I don't think he got a snap last week. No. And people are talking about, 
well, Kaiser White or TJ Edwards, you know, White will, is a one-year deal and, and they'll just replace him next year with Dean. If you can't put him on the field in those kind of moments to get him some, to show him the speed of the game, what do you ultimately think of this player? So, yeah, I, I certainly, and I, I mentioned it last week, Jody, I would like to see guys with leads get a feel of the speed of the game so that the coaches can evaluate these guys. To say, hey, I feel comfortable letting Kaiser White go because I saw this guy play in the speed of the game and he handled himself okay. So definitely something to consider. Why are they not giving those guys snaps with these seemingly big leads? And, Mike, I, uh, I too said it. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. But the Eagles hadn't had a three-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. That's the one thing they haven't done. They've checked a whole bunch of boxes this year. But the one thing they really haven't done is put a game away and continuing to add to that. They actually did it this week. It presented itself. And the coaches still said, no, no, no. We'll keep our starting <laughs> linebackers out there. Yeah, uh, that that I totally agree with that is in the NFL in general. And it's not just the Eagles, I think. It's why don't these teams feel comfortable? And maybe it's because they don't feel comfortable when you have a three score, what's the what's the threshold of score that you finally feel right, okay? Right, right. I can put you out there because you know one big play happens, you take a shot down the field, and the momentum of a game can it can turn pretty quickly. But with six minutes left in a game, you can give me a series or two to go get my feet wet in the NFL speed of the game. Well, I'm, I'm telling you this, uh, just being realistic. I just think that Gannon just said, you know what? No, I'm just not letting them in. I'm playing my guys. I mean, he could just say that. It has nothing to do with what we think is media or reps or anything else. I want to keep my guys in. I well, had what, that point. I had to have it. Did he say that he that he threw? Uh, you said uh, I didn't see the transcript oh, yesterday. He put it, yeah, no, he put it on Sirianni. He said, so we he's just saying I wanted to make coach. the switch, and because I'm thinking to myself, hey, maybe John Gannon, you know, he's trying to get a head coaching job. He's averaging 16.9 points a game. That's a pretty darn good number that I could put on my resume. If we give up some points and I'm now giving up more points, I don't want to give up 21 points a game. I'm pretty good with 16 points a game. But you're saying he checked with the head coach and the coach said, no, nah, not yet. Did he Did he come out and say that? No, but you could read between the lines pretty damn easily. The question was, uh, you, you rotate your defensive linemen in and out, the offense brought in second team. You're back seven. You didn't really swap anybody out. Did you consider it? And Gannon's answer was, good question, John. Those guys get along. Um, uh, but he said, we checked with the head coach. Yeah. And we were kind of backed up, meaning that Pittsburgh got the ball at midfield. Didn't bother the offensive uh, coordinator to put in all the backups when they got the ball at the 10-yard line. They didn't worry about being backed up on offense. But, oh, God forbid, we can't make substitutions on defense because the other team's getting the ball at midfield. You tell me what it means when he says, we checked with the head coach and we didn't do it. Aren't we supposed to read into that? I ran it up the flagpole and the head coach didn't salute, so I couldn't get my <laughs> subs in there. That's that's what I, I made of it. How no. about you? Yeah, I think they just said no. I think they're like, all right, well, we're just not going to do it. I mean, they don't have to do it. They, I, I was on a Pittsburgh team that we were going in. We had won 13 games in a row, and the starter still played in the last game against Buffalo. So sometimes, you know, the coach is like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to stick to our gun. We're going to do what we want to do. All right, you know? but Barrett, here's, I think Mike understands my point. I'm not sure you're getting it. The offense did. 
They pulled all the offensive guys. So it wasn't like, no, 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 no. We're on a roll. We're keeping all our starters in there. No, they swapped out almost all their offensive starters. There were no offensive. Dallas Goddard wasn't out on the field for the last offensive possession. The offense pulled them all out, and the defense kept them all in there. So it's either Gannon or Sirianni. You can't put Steichen into this mix. You can't put uh, Sirianni in the overall mix because he allowed all of the offensive starters to come out. Why specifically well, the backup on D? You answered your own question. This is an offensive-minded team. It, this, the offense is what's making this team good. The defense still has some work to do. The defense is good. They're up there in all the major categories. But I think the, the defense, they feel as though it has a little more work to do. But offensively, this is an offensive powerhouse. So this is, you know, I trust the offense more than I trust the defense. That's it right there. I trust the offense more so than I trust the defense. That's what it is. Well, and we've seen a couple situations, too, where – and I think they agree with Barrett on this. They trust that the depth of the offensive line, they don't mind replacing those offensive linemen. They've already gotten the speed reps. They've gotten chances to play at this speed level because guys have gone out. So I agree with Barrett. I don't know that they think the same way we're kind of making it make sense in our minds, but I definitely think they trust those backup offensive linemen and offensive players than they do their backup secondary players. All right, but yeah. let, let me run this one by you. The drop-off from pick whichever starting wide. Even if you just want to go Quez, forget about A.J. Brown and or Devonta Smith. The drop-off from Quez to Britton Covey. Covey got snaps at wide receiver in the game on Sunday. <laughs> Are you telling me the drop-off between uh, whichever corner you want to take, a McPherson or Kayvon Wallace and C.J. Gardner-Johnson or N'Kobe Dean and Kazir White, is that great? That no. it's less between Covey and AJ Brown as it is between no, Levine and the, no, the linebackers. I, no. no, but I can control on offense who's getting the ball. I can't control who you're targeting if I'm on defense. And if they see somebody on that defense and they say, "Look, they don't have Claypool anymore," but hey, Claypool, you're a big physical receiver. You got Josiah Scott on you. I'm going to go down the field and put one up on you. That's where you can't control who they're targeting on the defensive side of the ball. So to answer that question, you know, yeah, I don't have to throw the ball to Covey. I can say you got some snaps, but I don't have to do anything with them. I can't control who the other team's going to target and go right down the field on. And I don't want to expose poor – I don't even know who some of these guys are in a second. If Zach McPherson. If, well, I know McPherson, but if Slayer Bradbury got hurt for two, three weeks – would McPherson be the guy on the outside? Is he the next man up? Yes, yeah, McPherson's the next man up. Uh, I, I think um, Josh's name, Josh um, Joby. Joby, Josh Joby. He's he's probably the second guy up. We know it's safety. It's it's um, it's kind of tough in safety because all they have is Kevin Wallace. Wallace and Reed and they Blankenship. They couldn't get any of those guys on the field on Sunday. Uh, come yeah. on, explain it to me, JG. He gave a BS answer yesterday. All right, let's get back to the task at hand, which is the Texans tomorrow night. They're not a good football team. They won 5-1. They've got the second-worst record in the league. Only the Lions, who it seems like about 22 years ago, back in week one, the Lions actually hung in with the Eagles still late in the game. Uh, but they are who they are. They're a bad football team. Um, I mentioned Dave Zangaro wrote a, a good article on NBC Sports Philly. said, one thing you don't have to worry about the Eagles is they won't get bored with their coaching staff, with their leadership. They will stay on top of things. 
Uh, so I'm looking for ways to maybe get the Eagles tested. Are they maybe just a little bit um, distracted by the Philly success here? Mike, is there any way that the Eagles go down to uh, Houston and not come away with as easy a victory as they had this week against Steve? No, if anything, guys, I think this Phillies thing is helping because it is taking the distraction away from a team that so far has not lost a game and putting more added pressure on them. But what it is also allowing, and Jason Kelsey brought this up, I mentioned it before, uh, Tobias Harris brought it up for the Sixers. They're watching this fan base go nuts over a team. By the way, nobody showed up to Phillies games in the middle of a pennant race this year, and yet now it's it's as if this place was filled with 46,000 every night. Not the case, but... Right. The, the, the teams are seeing this. I think this is the perfect setup to not have that letdown type of game. They're seeing the energy at that Citizens Bank Park and got to be saying, we want to be a part of that. And But how do we be a part of that? We stay perfect. So when that season's over, that carries right over to us being perfect when we have our stretch of games in November when they're done. I don't. Uh, and somebody said to me, is the Pittsburgh game a letdown? I said, I think this works perfectly. Come out of the bye the Phillies own that whole week. Nobody's paying attention to what the Eagles are doing during the bye week. They came out, and I said, I thought they would have their most complete game of the year and just dominate that team. Pretty much happened. And then I think a similar situation here. with For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Houston thing and the fans and the Phillies, the Eagles are flying under the radar to the point that, I don't know, now the game's not on Amazon Prime in our market, but you could make a strong argument that in the Philadelphia market, you might have more people watching the Phillies on Thursday night. When the hell has that ever happened? Oh, and I, the, I, I think the game is on Amazon Prime, but it's also right. Uh, right. I saw this this morning. PHL seventeen. PHL seventeen. Right in our market. See, you can watch the game. That's my point. You can watch the game on over-the-air television. If you yeah. only could watch the game on Prime, people might just say, "Ah, the heck with it. I'm not even going to do it. I'm just going to watch the Phillies." But it's a good conversation of. Who in the Philly market is going to get higher ratings, a possible game five clincher or the Eagles playing this Texans team? And this is why I think it's good for the Eagles. They're just kind of hanging out under the radar at 7-0, and oh, by the way. 7-0. <laughs> oh. This is unbelievable. We're talking well, about 7-0. No I wrote an article about this yesterday. This is an interesting stretch because everyone keeps saying, well, the schedule, they haven't played anybody. You could really pull away right here. They're getting pushed. Minnesota's one game. I know they beat them. Dallas and the Giants. They're they're hanging in there. You cannot afford to slip up against a lesser team because these teams now, Minnesota, Dallas, they play each other coming up. The Giants play Minnesota. If Philly wins these next three games in the month of November, those teams might start falling off. And you could have a three or possibly four game cushion for that number one seed. That's why these games coming up against lesser opponents cannot be overlooked. MGill, good stuff. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us each and every single Wednesday. This is a preview to a game Wednesday, a little different task we put you to uh, this week. Thanks much for uh, getting it done for us again. All right, guys. See you.
Mike Gill from 93.7, the Sports Bash down at your ESPN radio, uh, and a guy who jumps in each and every single, single week with us here on Birds 365. Great right, conversation. Uh, Great conversation, man. Yeah, Gill, is, Gill is always good, and we didn't have to beat him up on the fact that West Virginia hung in last week and lost again. We love beating up on his alma mater <laughs> and their coaches. On but the did you see team. Kansas State, though? 48 to nothing against Oklahoma State. Uh, but uh, who's who's the big beast in the Big 12? We don't know yet. The horny frogs undefeated. Oh, that's right. They just beat us, too. They just beat us, too. Which, right. all right, just quick aside. I, I know we got to get a break in, uh, but John McClain can't join till 930, so we do have a couple of minutes here just in case. I, I posited this, and I know we're birds 365, but the Eagles are going to have a high first-round draft pick this year, folks. So college football does mean something. What happens if? Tennessee is number one and Georgia is number two, right? Uh, one of the polls actually put Tennessee on top. Coaches, I think the coaches put Tennessee yeah, the coach on top. Yeah, the coaches pull, yeah. And the AP's got Georgia still one and Tennessee two. They play this week. What happens if Tennessee sneaks out a win? Close game, hanging the balance. The game and Tennessee's on top by point two, three, whatever. They're going to go to number one in both polls. And the most important poll, which comes out, which is the uh, – uh, the, the the playoff poll. If Georgia doesn't lose another game, Tennessee gets to the SEC championship game without a loss, and then Alabama beats Tennessee. Does the ball the the playoff committee have nerve enough to take three SEC teams? Because Georgia's not even going to be in the SEC championship game. You can only have two teams in a championship game. And Tennessee's on one side and Alabama's on the other. Georgia would lose the tiebreaker because they lost head-to-head to Tennessee with a loss. Would they really take three SEC teams if you got a team like TCU? TCU runs the table and undefeated in the Big 12. Would they take a one-loss Georgia team or an undefeated TCU team? That's tough because that Tennessee team is beating quality of uh, – TCU team is beating quality opponents. And then when you look at – look at – um. Alabama, they've lost. What they've lost two now? No, only one. I thought they lost again already too. No, 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 no. Alabama's got one loss. Mm. And if they beat Tennessee in the SEC championship game, you'll you have, have the SEC champion. They gotta go. Yep. So then you got Tennessee, who let's say loses the SEC championship game by a late score. Does that really take them out of the top four? And Georgia is your defending champion who lost the SEC championship game last year, but then won uh, the two playoff games to win the championship. One of those three teams going to get squeezed? No. It'll just be those three teams and TCU. They they take all three of them (laughs) and the best of Ohio State-Michigan. Whoever wins the Ohio State-Michigan game will be the fourth team. TCU will be, be the odd team out. If they if they run be, the table, they'll be the odd team out. Um, Ohio State has to be in it, so it'll just be three. It'd be like it usually is. You know, yeah. it just won't be a Cincinnati and a Michigan there, that's all. Except there's never been three teams from one conference. And the playoffs, the 14 playoffs has only been going for hours, seven, eight, nine, ten yeah. years, whatever yeah. it's been. Um, but they've never had three teams from one conference before. But uh, they, there is a chaos theory that could play itself out. That will make for great uh, debate. All right. Uh, we debate it every day on the pro level, on the Eagle level here on Birds 365. Barry Brooks in for John McMullen today. Jay Mack flying down to Houston to cover tomorrow night's game. 
Uh, John McClain, who covers the Texans for gallerysports.com and uh, Sports Radio 610 and Houston.com as well, is going to jump aboard in about, oh, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, when we come back, I'll talk more Eagles with Big Barrett Brooks here on Birds 365. Stay with us. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Philly sports fans, I'm Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey Giordano. First and foremost, thank you for watching the Pond Lee Hockey postgame show. But right now, we're giving away tickets to the World Series. Follow Pond Lee Hockey on Instagram and check out our posts for your chance to win tickets to all three Phillies home games. Go Phillies and go Birds. Judy McDonald with nobody in particular. There he is. Start putting, getting some coffee or uh, getting uh, doing the beard, uh, striking out the beard. Uh, had, to get, had to get a coffee, man. I had to get my coffee. You, you and I both. I just got <laughs> 10 seconds before you did. Uh, I sat down just in time. You sat down just a couple of seconds after. All right. For those uh, just tuning in, thank you very much for streaming in here on Birds 365. Yes, we know the Phillies are in the world. So yes, they won last night. Yes, they are two games away from winning a championship. But this is called Birds 365. For a reason, we talk about the Eagles and the fact that they are 7-0 going into Houston. 
um, can extend the winning streak, the longest winning streak in the league. That's rather obvious since they're the only undefeated team. Um, but they're playing a team that just doesn't have the kind of talent level they have. Yeah, it's a short week for the Eagles, but it's a short week for the Texans, too. So that kind of balances the scales. They got to fly down there, which uh, the, the Texans don't. Um, but you said earlier, Barry, you think they're playing hard for Lovey Smith. I've always been a Lovey Smith fan. Uh, truth is, he wasn't as good a college coach as I thought he was going to be after doing what he did with the Bears. But uh, he does get the respect of the team. Is that going to be enough to keep this game competitive? No. Eagles going to take just – they got to go about their business. Um, What is that record? One, five, and one or something like that? Uh, one, five, and one is exactly what their record is. That's 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 the team that's ready for the season to be over with. They're going to fight. They're, they're, they're professionals. They get paid. But the Eagles team is just a fondly, you know, a fondly run machine. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like you you it's a it's a what is it? A Volkswagen Golf going against an S63. You know what I'm saying? A Mercedes. They're just more refined in how they approach the game, understanding of who they are, what they are. They cross the T's, they dot their eyes. They play fundamental football. This Texans team leaves a lot to be desired. They just went through all that turmoil and everything else. And plus, it's just a bad run organization. A very poor run organization. You know, we laughed at, at, at the owner, talking about the gold standard. When that's what the Eagles have been the past, what, 20 years. They've been a gold standard. They only have one championship uh, within that 20 years, but they still have been a team that's, you know, been competitive just about every single year. I mean, there's a couple black eyes here and there, but they try to do things the right way. There's been so much scandal, so many disgruntled employees with this Texans team that they're just poorly run. So you're getting the output of a poorly run organization. Starts at the top and it goes down. And that's just what this Texans team is. They're just poorly run. They're not, they don't have the, the, um, they don't have the want to have to be excellent. The need to be excellent. Like the Eagles organization tries to be. And they the, want to be that. Certainly the Eagles have had more success over the last couple of years than the whole, the Sean Watson thing blew up on the Texans, which they, I think they handled as best they could. Um, uh, Sean put them in an untenable uh, position. And, Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. He's uh, actually, we're only a couple of weeks away from him being able to return. His 11-game suspension is up. We'll but see it's, not, it's a lot of their players, though. You know, it's not just him. DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt. Uh, what's DeAndre? I forget what DeAndre. Um, Hopkins. Uh, no, De, no, DeAndre, the, 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 the receiver um, that they had, big-time receiver they had, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Andre, no, Andre, no, Andre. Um, look at Andre's last name. But um, I thought the stream will get it for me in a minute. Um, they, they, they've had situations where they just haven't handled things the right way. The running back situation. Um, they're just a poorly run organization, man. They just don't do things the right way. All right, uh, Barrett, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Johnson, had... that's it. Johnson, Johnson, Johnson. Oh, Andre Johnson. Yeah. Yes. That's a good couple of years ago. Um, mm -hmm. 
I do want to talk about the Eagle quarterback a little bit because as he's throwing touchdown after touchdown to touchdown, the AJ Brown on Saturday, I felt the need to point out to the Eagle fans that you're looking at the Eagles first $200 million man that Jalen hurts is going to be re-signed. He's going to get a contract extension this off season. And, and who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe something happens between now and the end of the season. Maybe Jalen Hurts decides he doesn't want to stay here in Philadelphia. Doubt that very highly. I'd, I'd put the probability at about 99% between you and I. But he's going to be here. He's going to be the Eagles quarterback with the way that he's playing. As he should. You're looking at about a five-year deal in excess of $40 million. He's going to be a $200 million man. We have seen $200 million quarterbacks the aforementioned Deshaun Watson being one of them uh, in this league, he's going to be right there with any of them. Uh, they, they're going to have to pay to keep this kid. The, we did nothing but debate all off season. Is he the quarterback of the Eagles? Is he the quarterback? Now there is no debate anymore. He's the quarterback of the Eagles. The question is, are the Eagles going to be able to pay him to keep him? Well, somebody's going to pay him. He deserves to be paid. He has done everything asked of him and more we knew he was going to come back and be in the best shape of his life he's going to control the intangibles of who he is he's always getting better he um he's the consummate pro he's a leader in that locker room a leader of men he's been that way since he's gotten um got in the locker room and plus he's performing on the field you you look at the different facets in which he can beat you in the first game against detroit he ran to win the game. The second game against um, the, the Vikings, he threw the ball against a zone concept where, you know, you got to be very, you got to be very accurate when you're dealing with zones because any overthrow or underthrow will lead to a pick. He went and did that. He, um, he's, even this last game he just played in, it wasn't an RPO game to beat this, to beat that uh, Steeler team. It was straight drop back passing. He more so dropped back pass, became a conventional quarterback in this game. So that just goes to show how good he is at anything you ask him to do. If you want to be a drop back quarterback, he can do that. His arm is strong enough. He can push the ball down the field. His pre-snap reads, he's changing plays. He's seeing the uh, defense and, 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 and throwing guys open, getting the ball out on time. He's doing everything that the premier quarterbacks do, but he also has – that 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 what what is it um genesis qual whatever you want to call it he has that it factor he has that in which you can you can rely on him to go out there and make the big play he and that's where he is you know he has that he has that that it factor that either you have it or you don't and he has it he's got that clutch gene in him and that, you know it has become a completely forgotten narrative and I'll be honest, Big B, I don't know where you stood with this, but I know where a lot of it, like 95% of the media guys here in Philadelphia, and there's a reason I bring this up because I'm in that 5%, that other 5%, <laughs> did not like the Jalen Hurts pick when the Eagles took him in the second round. What the hell are the Eagles thinking? How do you take a quarter? You've got Carson Wentz. Why would you waste the second round pick? On a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. And I, again, I'll try not to injure myself, pat myself on the back here. But I said it that night, and I was on WIP uh, the night of the draft. 
they were looking for an inexpensive backup. And the Eagles aren't even outrageous enough to go, oh, we knew he was going to be as good as he was. No, they didn't. They just thought he could be a good, solid backup and have him under contract for four years and not have to pay for a backup. It was a really smart draft pick. It has become a genius draft pick. When they made it, it was smart. It has become genius. But the geniuses who said, what the hell are the Eagles thinking, taking a quarterback in the second round, we're not hearing from them anymore. We're not having the double down that, oh, it's a bad pick. I'm sorry, you didn't need a quarterback. Oh, shoot, yeah, you needed a quarterback. Because there was the possibility that Carson Wentz could go bad. He did. And, man, have they got themselves a stud with a second-round pick. I thought it was a luxury pick. You know, because remember, I was remembering, what are they talking about? Uh, you know, they're a quarterback factory. I'm like, what? What are we talking about? You know, I didn't understand the pick either. And, you know, they've done that a lot with these picks that I think are luxury picks, but they foresee things better than I do. I mean, I thought the last three second-round picks were luxury picks. Four picks were luxury picks. Um you know, both the offensive linemen, Dickerson and Cameron, um, uh, I mean, Cam, um, right, Jurgens. I, I thought he was a luxury pick. I thought both of those second round picks were luxury picks. You know, I, I was thinking we can't afford to have these guys on the roster in this type of position. But look, Lander Dixon is becoming a pro bowler. I mean, he's right. playing at a, a, a super high level. Cam Jurgens is going to be the next guy to be the, the heir apparent to the best center in, in the world right now. And then Jalen Hurts. Why is he backing up a quarterback that just signed for over a hundred and something million dollars and he's just going to be in a bench? You'd waste a second rounder on him. And that's just being logical in how you think. They didn't know that he was going to be, Jalen Hurts going to be this no. good. Uh, no, 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 but nobody can say that. No, uh, there was no person who said within three years, Jalen Hurts is going to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. Nobody. Mrs. Hurts. His mama didn't say that Jay was going to be a top five quarterback his third year in the league. So nobody said that. Let's not get uh, crazy about this. But, uh, man, has he done the right thing. And, uh, again, I know that he's got his fanboys and he's got his detractors. But you got to give Howie Roseman credit. Got because to. he not only uh, was a driving force in the drafting of Jalen Hurts, he went out and got him A.J. Brown during this offseason. And there were a bunch of wide receivers. Did you see what Devontae Adams did for the Raiders this week? Absolutely nothing. No One, one reception for one yard and one run for minus two yards. So he actually had minus one yard for the game. That's a, 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 a Daniel, their coach. Oh, my God. And the Eagles almost hired him. Josh McDaniels, what a bullet they dodged on that one. Um, but he got dealt. Yeah, Tyree Kill's doing what Tyree Kill's supposed to do down in Miami. I don't want to downplay and or uh, mis misrepresent what he's doing to help the Dolphins. But A.J. Brown is the best acquisition that any team, as we sit here today, after eight weeks in the NFL this season, Barrett, he's the best acquisition that any team made in this offseason. Absolutely, absolutely. He changed the outlook on how this how this franchise was going forward. And that's the biggest thing. They now are in, you know, in the race for for a Super Bowl. Just by acquiring him on, on draft day, it kind of sped up the direction this team was going. They were able to go out then and go out and get players that, you know, like a, a Bradbury that can compete on the high level. 
I don't think if they if they wouldn't have gotten AJ, it you know we'd have went into this season trying to see who really who who Jalen Hurts really is, and really have our hands tied behind our back when a guy like Jalen Rager who doesn't want to play who didn't want to play here, and was and needed new pasture to go out there and graze. He needed a new change of scenery, but acquiring AJ not only helped them, you know, speed up the transition from being our we're a team that's, you know, we could be pretty good to a team that's damn good. And him being on a team, you know, amped up everybody else's level, you know, from from Smitty now turning around and being a more aggressive attacking the ball type of receiver, even though he's, a, you know, a, a slender type of dude, he attacks the ball at the highest point. He goes out there and tries to Debo guys like A.J. Brown. They kind of set the tone to be aggressive at the receiver position taking the little nuances that A.J. Brown has and implemented into their game. And now, you know, it's it's hard for teams to go out there and guard a guy like like um, uh, Devontae Smith because he now understands how to get out the ball aggressively, can create separation with how fast he is, and go up there and muscle up if he has to. Um, it, it, it just accelerated how they call plays you know, for these guys also. It's, there's so many factors. And, and and it also helped the guys on the other side of the ball become more competitive. We knew Slay was, Slay was always going to be competitive. But they start amping the game up knowing that, all right, I'm practicing against some of the best receivers in the league, so I'm going to get better as a corner because I'm going against these guys. So that's, you know, the dynamics of, you know, the A.J. Brown trade, you know, or it's like, you know, you, you, you say a, a, a butterfly's wing the, the wind from a butterfly's wing can cause a tsunami somewhere or a hurricane somewhere or, you know, something like that's the ripple in the water when you throw a stone in the water, the ripple effect. That's exactly what acquiring yeah. A.J. Brown uh, did for us. And, man, you uttered the name of Jalen Rager. I hadn't thought of <laughs> Jalen Rager since the Vikings were in town when he came back and played the uh, Any games that the Vikings have played. And remember, Vikings had the second-best record in the league. Yep. They came in here, got their tail kicked by the Eagles, haven't lost another game. So uh, nod to uh, Kevin O'Connell, the head coach of the Vikings. He's doing a damn good job with them this year. I haven't even thought about Jalen Rager in a month and a half. Thank you for bringing him back up again, Barry, <laughs> to show how improved at the wide receiver position the Eagles are with the acquisition of uh, A.J. Brown. Um, all right, uh, why don't we take a quickie timeout? I'll send a uh, text off to my buddy, John McClain, um, has covered the National Football League for decades, uh, Hall of Fame uh, selector, uh, did it for uh, years for the Houston Chronicle, retired, came back out of retirement. He's writing for a new website that is uh, uh, was put together by Mattress Mac. Do you know who Mattress Mac is? Yes, I- I've definitely heard of him. He's a little pissed off right now. But he's not going to win his bet. <laughs> he uh, put a whole bunch of money down on the Houston Astros in the uh, World Series. Um, but he's a uh, famed sports gambler, entrepreneur, owns mattress stores all across the country, but is uh, situated down in Houston more than anywhere else. Um, he put together a uh, sports website, and he got John McClain to write for him called gallerysports.com. Uh, uh, so Johnny Max right? For them these days, still working for – the sports radio station in Houston he's been working for for years, Sports Radio 610, uh, and he writes for their website as well, .com. Uh, so we can get John McClain up here. 
I always love talking to John because he's like got such great insight on the entire league, but specifically the Texans. He was tied to the Texans forever. And I've had him on a bunch during the whole Deshaun Watson thing, Barrett. And I kept asking him, and Davis Mills is your quarterback? He said, Jody, <laughs> all I can tell you is the organization like Davis Mills. They think he can play. They like him. They're committed to him. They're, they, they're sold that he's a he's not an NFL quarterback. I'm sorry. He's just not a starting quarterback in this league. I want to see if the Texans still believe. Because John was uh, taking their word on it. that they And John was not saying, I think that Davis Mills is an NFL quarterback. He was saying, the Texans think that he's an NFL quarterback. We'll get our firsthand look here in Philadelphia at David Mills this week. Jody Mack telling me he's not a starting NFL quarterback. The Eagles defense will handle him this weekend. Uh, so I hope to punch up John McClain from gallerysports.com. Uh, he should join us before the hour comes and goes here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Philly sports fans, I'm Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey Giordano. First and foremost, thank you for watching the Pond Lee Hockey postgame show. But right now, we're giving away tickets to the World Series. Follow Pond Lee Hockey on Instagram and check out our posts for your chance to win tickets to all three Phillies home games. Go Phillies and go Birds.
Houston for Johnny Mack today. Down Houston for the game tomorrow between the Eagles and the uh, Texans. So I'm going to bring in another John. We lose one John Mack. We add another John Mack. That's not a problem. <laughs> Lucky enough to get John McClain from uh, gallerysports.com and sportsradio610.com to jump in with us. Mr. McClain, how's your football season treating you? Uh, my football team is treating me terribly because I have to watch <laughs> the Texans. And last night, my baseball team, who I'm writing a column about now, treated me terribly with the worst uh Astros' performance in a playoff game I can remember, and that goes back to their first playoff series in which the Phillies just embarrassed them. And I tweeted last night, it got over 300,000 people uh, talking about it. I said, if you think this is bad, you wait to see what the Eagles are going to do to Texas. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, I'm guessing that didn't go over with the Houston faithful but you're probably right about I think that. the Houston, Houston faithful, Jody, feels the same way. The performance the Texans put on the field Sunday against the Titans and rookie quarterback Malik Willis was just an abomination, a humiliation. Score of seven points, and it was much more lopsided than that. At one point, Davis Mills, a disappointing second-year quarterback who played so well over the last five games of his rookie season, his rating – was 14, and Rex Burkhead, backup running back, threw an incomplete option pass, and his rating was 39.7. And they went on 90-yard drive on the last series of the game to make it look respectable, but it was not. It was disrespectable. And let me ask you about that, John, because I I mentioned that right before we punch up uh, to my partner today, Barrett Brooks, uh, ex-NFL lineman. Um, that's what I thought about Mills last year. And I had you on a couple of times where we were talking about the Sean Watson thing. And you pointed out that the Texans would point out to you, look at Davis Mills' numbers here over the last five games. Didn't he have a whole bunch of mop-up situations last year, too? Where he no, actually never. Put up- no, no, none at all. Okay. Uh, he had, after his last five games, when he was reinserted into the starting lineup, uh, uh, when Tyrod Taylor, the starter, was terrible. Mills was a different quarterback. Three of his five games, he had a rating of at least 100. Last game of the year, Tennessee came to Houston needing to win to secure home field advantage in the uh, uh, AFC playoffs. Mills had a 128 rating, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 70%, 301 yards, and they almost won the game. Titans won at the end by three. So, no, Davis Mills, I watched every play. He looked really good in the last five games, better than any rookie quarterback in the NFL at that point by far. And this year with Pep Hamilton controlling the offense and calling the plays, the offense has been awful. And I think Pep Hamilton has to play a big role in that. Do you think it's more so um, defensive coordinators watching film on them, having a year to, to, to really look at it? and see what his inefficiencies are. And and that's why going forward, they know exactly kind of what he is and they're, they're, they're playing to that. Or is it just, he just caught lightning in a bottle last year, a couple times. Barrett, he lost his offensive coordinator and play caller. Tim Kelly was fired. He went to the Titans, had coach David Cully with an offensive background was fired. And uh, his inaccuracy, receivers not getting open 
uh, which they did better last year. I don't think that's got anything to do with the defensive coordinators catching up to him. But, you know, defensive coaches usually catch up to offenses, and uh, maybe that's played a role in it, but he just not has played well. He's a hard worker. He's uh, got arm talent. He's He's got uh, great size, good guys, teammates like him. He just has not been anywhere close to the quarterback we saw at the end of last year. He had four 100-yard games last year, including the best game of a rookie quarterback in Bill Belichick's history as a coach in the NFL. And then this year, there's no resemblance. It's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the old movies. (laughs) Aliens came down here and took over his body, and those aliens can't uh, find receivers. And I do want to ask about one of those receivers because I know that uh, Brandon Cooks was not practicing with the team, whatever, because of personnel reasons. We all kind of know what the personnel reasons were. He preferred to be traded. The Texans at least were listening to potential trade offers for him. They didn't pull the deal, the trigger on a deal, which means he's coming back into the Texans locker room today. And he better because he is their most talented wide receiver right now. How big a mess is this? Did Cooks create it? Did the Texans mishandle this? Is everybody just going to salute when he comes in the door today and everything going to be fine? How do they deal with Brandon Cooks basically rejoining the team after leaving with the belief that he was probably going to be elsewhere before the trade deadline? I've been saying for two weeks I didn't think he'd be traded for two reasons. His contract. He signed a new $39 million two-year deal after last season. I don't feel sorry for him getting $18 million guaranteed next year. <laughs> and he has not played well this year. He hadn't gotten open. Last series of the last game against the Titans, he had 26 and 44-yard catches. And it's like he was auditioning for other teams. We heard about the Packers, the, the Rams, the uh, Cowboys, and there was one other, and I can't even remember. There's probably ones we don't know about that were interested. And and uh, Brandon's a great guy. He's the least controversial player I've ever seen. Three minutes after the trade line, he had a cryptic tweet about don't take his kindness for something, and he's been covering up for lies. So this, after the game Thursday night, would be the first time the media's had a chance to talk to him. If he's there and he doesn't bolt, I don't expect him to shine any light on it. I think he will have slept on it, and he'll say all the right things about he was upset. But uh, he sounds like a guy would rather have a new zip code. And if you ask everybody on this team right now, would you rather be traded? Probably all would have said, sure, they want to be traded <laughs> because the team's awful. And if they had traded Cooks, their other starting receiver, Nico Collins, who showed so much promise this season, he's got a growing injury, and he can miss several games. And if you traded Cooks and you lost him, your starting receivers are journeyman Philip Dorsett, Chris Moore, and a guy just elevated from the practice squad, Jalen Camp. So if you're hoping to help Davis Mills in his second season, you don't want him missing his starting receivers. So um, once the deadline passed Monday, for teams after that deadline, making a deal before the Tuesday trade deadline, you had to absorb all of the contract. Texans couldn't have picked up any of it. This has been going on for two weeks. I think if they could have gotten the third round pick, they would have done it. But nobody wanted that fully, fully guaranteed $18 million next season, no matter how well he did. 
Well, you know, we talk about, you know, Davis Mills and offense and everything else. Um, I'm looking at the defense. You guys got three starters that are rookies starting, you know, Jalen uh, Petrie from um, from Baylor, uh, Derek Stingley Jr., and uh, Christian Harris from Alabama. Those three guys, you know, the potential those three guys hold, you know, I thought they would, you know, come in as starters, and they are starting. But what do you think is the biggest vice of stopping, um, stopping the run? You know, where, where, where does that lie? First of all, uh, the Texans started eight rookies on Sunday, five on defense. Two linemen, one because their best lineman, Malik Collins, was out, and another one because the guy had started since his start of his rookie year last year, Lloyd Lopez, a tackle, he was benched. And they've never been able to stop Derrick Henry, and it didn't surprise me at all. Derrick Henry rushed for 200 yards against them for the first for the fourth consecutive game, wow. beginning in 2019 because he was injured last year. One of the strangest things I've ever seen in 45 years covering the NFL: the Jacksons have been uh, a pathetic run defense team for three years. Coaches and players come and go, schemes change, and they're still awful. Just pathetic. And that was a great example. They're last in the NFL in rushing. Here come the Eagles. I know Jalen Hurts has got to throw a couple of passes for his hometown fans and friends. But to beat the Texans, you just run the ball. You don't even need to throw a pass. And I think that what the Eagles will do to this defense, which is young, they're they're going with the philosophy youth must be served, and they've been better against the pass and have the run, but it's just amazing how they continue to be so god-awful against the run, no matter who the opponent is or what season it is. It's just a total humiliation. John, let me ask you about a guy that I got to admit I was woefully wrong about. When O.J. Howard came out in the draft five years ago, I thought he had a chance to be a, a Pro Bowl-level tight end. Now he's been with several different teams. He's never blossomed anywhere coming out of Alabama the way I thought he would in the NFL is with the Texans. Now I see he's not putting up any numbers. What happened to this kid? I'm, I know you follow college football as well. You're as good a football writer as you are. Uh, maybe I got uh, won over by the uh, significance of Alabama, but I thought this kid had a chance to be not only good, but a star in the league. And he's been anything, but, what happened to O.J. Howard? He's bounced around like a pinball. He got great size, 6'6". Six, six. First game against Indianapolis here, 2020 tie, he had two touchdown catches. And we're like, wow, O.J. Howard's finally lived up to being a first-round pick. And he's had injury issues, and he hadn't done squats since. He had a 24-yard catch the other day. They used several tight ends. And uh, none of them has stood out. Jordan Aikens, third-round pick, was let go here, and he was cut by the Giants, put him on the practice squad. He makes one big play game. But their tight ends don't contribute all Howard's in that mix. He's just been a huge disappointment. Don't know why. I haven't spent much time watching his career since he left Alabama, but uh, he fits right in here, which doesn't mean he's a disappointment. I like the fact that, you know, you, you have an Eagles team that they're, they're hyper-focused, you know, because they're taking the lead of their quarterback. You know, that's who they're rallying behind. Do you guys have anybody in that locker room that you could say, all right, we're going to rally behind this guy. We're going to, you know, he can get things going in the right direction just from who he is as a, as a leader on the team. 
who would be that leader on that team if you have that? Let me say something about Jalen Hurts. The Eagles were one of the first teams tried to trade for Deshaun Watson. And Watson had that no trade clause and wanted to go to South Florida. They told the Eagles thanks, but no thanks. Don't you know Howie Roseman is so happy that, uh, <laughs> right. that he didn't get involved in what's happened to Watson. And because Hertz has just been tremendous. Hertz was a great high school quarterback here. Then, of course, went to Alabama and Oklahoma, and he's improved every year. They thought going into this season to be Davis Mills, and he still is in the locker room, but he's playing bad, and everybody knows it. The best player they have, the most exciting player, is the rookie running back, Damian Pierce, who uh, from Florida didn't yep. get the, yeah didn't get the ball much, and people say, how can this guy lead the NFL in broken tackles and be as good as he is and not start regularly at Florida? And I said, well, that's the reason Dan Mullins is in the Fox yeah. studio, <laughs> not still coaching the Gators. And Pierce is the best thing they have. The Titans came in with a plan to stop him, and they did. And then they couldn't throw the ball because their offensive line just got pulverized by the Titans' front four, and it was just ugly. Now, the Eagles have come in here with a plan to stop Pierce. They saw what the Titans did, try to force Mills to throw, and then just bludgeon the offensive line and get after Mills. And you guys know if you can't, if you don't have time to throw the ball, of course, quarterback's not going to be any good unless he's got mobility like Kurtz, which Mills doesn't. Mills is a pocket passer. And, you know, it, they thought uh, that one of their defensive players would stand out. I believe Jalen Petrie, the safety, who is, I think, right now the third on the list for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, according to Ozmakers in Vegas, he will be. He came from Baylor, my alma mater. I watched almost every game he played for five years, dynamic leader. And I told people there when he was drafted, he'll be a starter from the first OTA, and he was. So I think he will emerge, but not this year. They don't have anybody on either side of the ball other than Davis Mills. And all we're talking about right now is will they get the first overall pick? I think they're worse than the Lions. I think they will end up with the first overall pick, and they'll take what the, the player they believe will be the top quarterback. No, which is something they need to do because, yeah, Davis Mills is Davis Mills. Uh, but one more quarterback question. And, yes, uh, we, we here in Philadelphia well know, it was well reported that the Eagles did pursue uh, the former Texans quarterback pretty heavily, but he shut it down because he had the no-trade clause to Sean Watson. Do you think when they had those conversations, the Eagles ever offered Jalen Hurts in a deal to be able to get him, because that would be kind of rubbing salt in the wounds with the no, way I Davis Mills is playing him. No, Jalen Hurts had been part of the package. No, he was not part of the package. And okay. the reason is that he had, they had issues with Watson, and you didn't know what it was. You know, they were offering draft choices, and the Texans needed draft choices. They have 12 in 2023 right now, 10 in 2024, they have the Browns first round pick the next two years. But no, as far as I was told, Hertz was not offered as part of that package. The Eagles did not want to part with him. Okay. Uh, could have been a competition here if they'd gotten uh, the, the, the trade done. All right. Uh, one other guy I wanted to ask you about, John. 
because I saw his name be at least rumored as potentially being available. He wasn't dealt. Uh, the Eagles, I thought, could have used a little backup help in their secondary. Desmond King, veteran who's been around the league. Uh, his numbers look okay. You see him every single week. Do you know if the uh, Texans entertained any offers for him, uh, or was he a guy that they weren't looking to move this offseason? Jody, you brought that up to me, and I haven't heard it anywhere else. Desmond King's okay. one of the few players they have who's been consistently good, plays inside, plays outside, returns punts. And if somebody made an offer for him, it certainly wasn't good enough. He's a guy that could be part – like they've been bad. This is second year, third year in a row they've been bad. It's a massive rebuild. They expect to make improvement next year. They won't say that, but that's what they're hoping. And King's still young enough; he could be around another three years, which would make him part of that part of that movement. So uh, I don't think anybody made a legitimate offer for him. Fair enough. All right, John. Last thing: um, in the NFC this year, Eagles seven and zero, Vikings surprise with only one loss, Giants and Cowboys. The NFC East is very good, but the teams that have been dominant the last several years. Tampa, San Francisco, Green Bay, uh, the Rams as defending Super Bowl champions. None of them are above 500 at this stage. If you had to say one of them is most likely to get it turned around less than midway through the season and uh, be a team, as most people consider, to be a major playoff threat when they get there, which of those four struggling preseason favorites in the NFC you think most like is most likely you get it going. I believe the 49ers are the best team right now, the ones you mentioned, but the NFC South is so miserable. I think the Buccaneers will still win it. Somebody's got to win that division, huh? Yeah, they they can't run the ball, which is interesting, but that's what happens when you lose your interior offensive lineman. And Tom Brady's not playing bad, but everybody around him's playing bad. Injuries that Wide receivers dropped passes. Defense was great in the first game against the Cowboys. Hadn't been since. But I think of the teams you mentioned, the one that has the best chance to win the division is them. And then I still, still can't believe in the Seahawks. People talk about Brian Dable being uh, the leading candidate to be coach of the year. Nobody has done a better job than Pete Carroll. Nobody expected the Seahawks to be in first place. Absolutely. We all thought they were going to make a run for the top pick in the draft. Yeah. Geno Smith, comeback player of the year. Pete Carroll, coach of the year. Maybe John Schneider, executive of the year. That's a very good point by you. All right, last Great thing, point. Johnny Mac. Um, has Mattress Mac asked you for a loan yet, just in case the Astros don't get this done here in the World Series? Uh, I fear for you, my friend, that uh, this week's paycheck – might not be exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, Mattress Mike, my boss at gallerysports.com, will win $75 million if the Astros win three or four, which doesn't look like it's going to happen. But he never loses money. His He does this every year. If you buy $4,000 worth of furniture, gallery furniture, and the Astros win the World Series, you get it free, free, free. So... Everybody runs out and buys millions of dollars worth of furniture. So he bet ten million. <laughs> he bet ten million to win seventy-five million. And if he if the Astros win the World Series, he's got seventy-five mil.
to pay all those people that bought millions worth of furniture. If the Astros don't, they've already bought over $10 million dollars worth of furniture. Sold, yeah. So he doesn't lose. He knows how to hedge his bets. He does. He That's is smart. Okay. Okay. Yes. I see that now. <laughs> He's a, a, a legendary sports wagerer and uh, smart enough to have bet on John McClain to write for his website. We bet on John McClain whenever we bring him in. He comes up aces for us. JM, good to catch up, bud. We'll uh, certainly have you on again before the season comes and goes. Thanks for jumping in today. Guys, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope you, uh, I can't wish you luck. But uh, understood. I, the Eagles. We'll wish you luck because the Eagles I don't are even know if the Phillies. Choice. I don't even know if the Phillies need uh, luck right now because both of them are so good. Thank you very exactly. much, guys. John, Thanks thank you, love, John McClain, uh, longtime NFL writer uh, for GalleriesSports.com these days. Yes, Mattress, Mattress Max website, and yeah, he doesn't lose. He just spreads his money. If, if he loses on the bed, he'll make the money on the furniture side. If he loses on the furniture side, he covers himself with his bets. He knows how to play the sports wagering slash business game. Uh, he is Barrett Brooks. I'm Jody McDonald. Big, big B in for Johnny Mack, who's winging his way down to Houston for tomorrow night's game. We come back. Uh, we'll put Barrett a little bit more to the test on what the Eagles can and should get done against the Texans blow out god philadelphia owns houston at least today as we sit here today after last night's game eh, christian javier scares me a little bit tonight pitching for the astros but uh we'll come back put a bow on the show with the eagles texans conversation here on birds 365 philly sports fans i'm tom giordano from Pondley hockey giordano First and foremost, thank you for watching the Pondley Hockey Post Game Show. But right now, we're giving away tickets to the World Series. Follow Pondley Hockey on Instagram and check out our posts for your chance to win tickets to all three Phillies home games. Go Phillies and go Birds. Welcome to Pondley Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
it's a fall car fest. And Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Big B, Barrett Brooks in for uh, Johnny Mac, who's heading down to Houston. Uh, John will be with us tomorrow, Wi-Fi permitting from the hotel he's staying in down in Houston. <laughs> so, of course, your fingers uh, that that's the case. Uh, Barrett, uh, we thank John McMo- uh, John McClain for coming in with us. Let's see. Uh, the defense is terrible, can't stop the run. The quarterback may have hoodwinked him last year by having a couple of good games, and now he's awful. Uh, Brandon Cooks is their best wide receiver and wants no part of being a member of the team. Other than that, how is the play, Mrs. Lincoln? This is a a really bad team the Eagles are facing on Thursday. Can they just ask for a forfeit and not have to get on the plane this afternoon? (laughs) You know what? I mean, they always say any given Sunday. And that was a movie, right? Right, right, right. I, 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 I will say this. This team will be prepared to go in and play down in Houston. They'll be ready to go. They're not going to look past any team. They understand that they have to, you know, keep winning in order to make sure they, you know, kind of concretely place themselves at that number one position, which will give them a buy. So that'll give them at least, you know, one game they don't have to play. Um, they're thinking about all this stuff. And, you know, we just have leadership in that locker room, you know, from the coaches to the players, the leaders on the team that, you know, they have a great shot of going in there and just going taking care of their business. I'm looking forward to another boring game, a game in which they go out and they 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 play at such a high level that the Texans know as soon as they step on the field that they're outclassed, they're going to be outplayed, and that's what you want. You know, I've, I've experienced that type of um, – um, I've experienced that type of, of – of, of, it's, like, it's like a feeling when you walk into a stadium – and you could tell not only from the crowd, but the players on the field see that they're outmatched yeah. and then they play accordingly. I've had that happen before. I've, I've been a part of that type of situation where nobody feels as though they have a snowball's chance of hell uh, playing this team and beating us. And that's the way I think it's going to play out on Sunday. I'm going to make a bold predict. You need a hot take, Mr. Uh, yeah, you, you, you don't do this much. You, you don't need do this a hot much. take from Jody Mack. Give it to me. N'Kobe Dean, Zach Mack, and Kayvon Wallace 
will all get time on Sunday. It's going to be such wow. a blowout that the guys who they feared they couldn't put on the field in the fourth quarter this past week will actually get on the field this week. Between you and I, I think it's because we actually brought it up. Uh, I think the DC is going to go to the coach. Listen, when I ask you, can I put the subs in this week? We probably should since they right. called us on the carpet for it last week and I didn't have a real good answer to it. So when I ask you this week, you will say yes, right, Nick? I'm betting you Gannon's already had that conversation with Sirianni. So I think, yes, you'll. it will be enough of a guaranteed Eagle victory in the fourth quarter that the subs will get a chance to play on defense. I don't know. There it is. All right. Uh, Mr. Sub, you sub in tremendously when we get you here on Bird Street 65. You'll be with your boys. D I gave you and, all uh, my good stuff. I'm not, I don't have anything left for the uh, for my three hours of sports take. I gave you all the good stuff. Don't don't say that out loud. <laughs> Ellis will get he'll get ticked off at me for uh, tapping tapping you out. Um, I don't know if Xander's already asked you, but uh, any chance you hop in with us on Friday? John is going to do the first hour, then he's got to hustle to the airport thereafter. You want to do after an Eagle win? So I'm going to try to. about Zach Mack getting an interception for the Eagles on Friday? I'm going to try to. I'm try. You know, I'm traveling too. I have um, I have Howard at North Carolina Central this this weekend, so I'll oh, be. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, so I'll. Howard I, I, I get North there Carolina here. Central, really? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I got a classic, okay. so I got to go down. Okay. I got to be All in. Right. I'll be yeah, in North Carolina. We'll scare up somebody else. I, I enjoy working <laughs> with your parents, so that's why I wanted to try. Thank you. I enjoy Wrong you arm you into coming out with me on Friday, but we'll work it out. Uh, always a pleasure, B. Thanks for doing it with us today. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, Bird 365 back tomorrow. McMullen should return. Again, Wi-Fi permitting. He'll be in his hotel down in Houston. Uh, but we hope to see you back here on Birds 365 in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.